But you have recruiting ads on TV. Why do you need subliminal messages? Uh, it's a three-pronged attack. Subliminal, liminal, and superliminal. Superliminal? I'll show you. <laughs> hey, you! Join the Navy! Uh, yeah, all right. I'm in. We walk into our town and promote hate, violence, suicide, death, drug use, and Columbine-like behavior. I can say... Linking violence in movies to higher levels of aggression and violent behavior. Recognizing that many children love violent movies. Some motherfuckers are always trying to escape. Take a look around! Dodge this. Alright, no, I'm gonna give it a round go. I'm gonna give it a go. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when this SWAT comes for you? Yes. Welcome back <laughs> to Take a Look Around, the podcast that finds itself at the intersection of new metal Hollywood. Wee-oo, wee-oo, wee-oo. <laughs> uh, sir, I'm going to have to ask you to step out of this introduction. <laughs> my name is Shawnee Campion, and as always, I'm joined by my faithful co-host, the boy in blue himself. Alistair B-Man Bates, how are you, Batesy? I'm so great. I'm so good, and I'm finally out of jail. I'm back on the streets. That's how they do it. They, they, they get me wearing a wire. They don't even... They get me out on the streets in the same hour, you know? Uh, I'm good. How are you, Phoebe? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. We, we, should, we should mention we are joined by a third microphone, indoctrinated and registered Queensland police officer, Phoebe Sheehy. How are you, Phoebe? I have only one thing to say, and that is you're either SWAT or you're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We missed a really good opportunity before we get started to say... Uh, in examining the thin blue line between new metal and cinema. I think what I said was way better. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, we can make all the cops puns we like, all the bad boys puns we like, but you know what? It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter, Al, because you know what? It's time for breaking news. What is this garbage you're watching? I want to watch the news. This is the news. Sean, you're on the scene right now. Have you got any breaking news? Well, it's not exactly breaking news. Because of the nature of podcasting, because of the nature of work schedules, we can't always get everything as it appears. We live in this constant need for 24-hour instant gratification. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that this podcast only comes out once a week. And to be honest, it's probably for the best that it does. <laughs> and look, I'm sorry sometimes we record episodes maybe a month in advance. <laughs> yeah. Weren't you in the desert the last time we spoke? <laughs> yeah, what happened with that? Are you okay? Uh, long story. <laughs> but yes, what's the news? The news is a couple of weeks old now. It comes from the 22nd of March, a beautiful earlier time in our lives when we were, we were so much younger. And this particular week was the week of the 2021 TV Grammy Awards. That's what it is, right? Sure. <laughs> I, who, who funds the Grammys? I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Like, what, what, like, I know that the Academy Awards is the Academy for the Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences. MTV does the MTV Movie Awards. What are the Grammys? The Grammys might just be the Grammys, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you've got to ask, you can't. You don't know, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like that secret celebrity Tinder all over again. <laughs> you said you wouldn't tell anyone. I asked you to talk about it on the pod, and you said you wouldn't. Uh, is this Raya? I've, I've heard about this. Al knows about it. Are you not? Are you the only one on this podcast that's not on Raya, Sean? Was I the only Wait, one? Wait, are you on Raya? No, God no. Oh. Fuck no. Absolutely. <laughs> right, I was, yeah, I was confused. <laughs> so if Play you're listening Al. to this, Al and Phoebe were both invited to the secret celebrity Tinder page mm. by some of our larger known guests. 
However, I was uh, left off Raya, uh, tried to appeal my being left off. I was told that my profile was quote unquote too provocative for the critic. Yes. <laughs> Not fit for mass consumption. <laughs> uh, so, so, so what news have we got? <laughs> What's happened at the Grammys a week ago? Okay. <laughs> As some of you might know, Megan The Stallion and Cardi B did a live performance of their fantastic song, WAP! WAP! Wireless access point itself, wet ass pussy. To which yes. uh, notable Christian new metal frontman John Cooper of the band Skillet. Al, are you a big Skillet boy? Big Skillet head? Ever since I've heard about Skillet, I just can't get enough of Skillet. <laughs> more of a saucepan guy. The word on everyone's lips. We want more Cast Skillet. <laughs> he is quoted as saying that it was pretty weird before explaining why he <laughs> believed the performance was hypocritical on his Cooper Stuff podcast. We can't all have funny names <laughs> we're living in a world right now where there are certain dr seuss books that you cannot sell on ebay they're just too much for anybody to even be allowed to buy it's too evil i i read that what what is he talking about is there actually a dr seuss book you're not allowed to do uh yeah there was uh fuck i don't know specifically but uh a whole bunch of freedom of speech heads you know how like sometimes a piece of media written 70 years ago has a slur which was just a regular word back then but is uh um, what slur al tell me uh, the slur i don't know i can't wait to say it you he can can't wait is it the slur you were saying right before we started recording that that's right i think it's like a tintin situation where uh it, yeah. it wasn't racist at the time but now it's incredibly racist definitely because... still racist at the time but like even <laughs> more like recognizably yeah, but... racist now <laughs> <laughs> and you know like one of those things that like people discovered on the internet in air quotes i don't know it's basically just being used to like erupt a comment section for a news website wasn't dr seuss like a wife beater probably <laughs> i mean i'm i'm not defending the guy but there are some power dynamics at play in hop on pop that i'm just not comfortable discussing anyway john cooper goes on to say that but you can and must applaud the sexual degradation of Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion simulating sex together on the Grammys. And you know what? He's right. He goes on to say, it. this is a perfect example. You must celebrate it. In fact, if you don't celebrate it, you're actually a bad person and you kind of don't love people. Every dictator in history says what they're doing is good. That's what they believe. He then goes on to make a comparison to the propaganda speeches made by Nazi dictator Hitler. Oh, yep. <laughs> He's a real big name in the uh, the Nazi speech um, field, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's the biggest one. Oh, yeah. A few of our listeners are probably saying, Sean, Al, Phoebe, what the fuck is Skillet? <laughs> And I'm not surprised. It's like a grill and it's kind of like a hot plate. <laughs> you don't put it in the dishwasher under any circumstances. So Skillet are uh, maybe like a fourth wave butt rock new metal crossover act that has somehow managed to carve out this bizarre kind of niche for themselves throughout those red state rock festivals. You're kind of your like where your five finger death punches really exist. You're like monster energy drinks. You're a beanie with a brim still on it in the year 2021 infected snake bite piercings, military yeah. wives, just a real bunch of Joshes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Somehow, throughout all of this, they've also managed to kind of carve out a niche for themselves in a much younger demographic where for us growing up, the soundtrack to the YouTube video of Dragon Ball Z was always Linkin Park. Skillet are one of the biggest bands in the Let's Play community for videos of Sonic the Hedgehog and oh. Minecraft. <laughs> if you Google Skillet Song Monster, you will be able to find Minecraft and Sonic videos with 300 million plays on YouTube. The secret 
It's truly outrageous. That's crazy. You want to know a cool thing about me and Minecraft? I was uh, one of the original alpha testers on Minecraft, so uh, thank you. Don't worry, we can edit that out later, man. is filmed on location with the men and women of law enforcement. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Copaganda. <laughs> That's right, everybody. The film we want to talk about today is a little movie from 2003 by the name of SWAT. Now, it's not a massive film in the new metal canon uh, by any regard, but it does have some new metal faithfuls in it. It is a fantastic little movie, but it is a really like interesting, like an insidious look at this kind of this style of film that we've just become so used to, and is like an early example of it in the new metal canon. That's become really what's the would you say the status quo for what movies are today, Phoebe? Yeah, definitely. I think it's like a movie that is trying to mash a lot of genres together, but the end result is to change the the viewpoint uh, and elevate the viewpoint of cops and to up recruitment as much as possible. <laughs> Absolutely. So we would be hard-pressed to find uh, another example within the new Metal canon because I've, I've had a look over the episodes we've done and outside of Arnold Schwarzenegger playing a detective and Jet Lee playing a police officer in what are otherwise science fiction and horror films Al have we ever done a crime movie a cop movie a pro cop movie uh maybe Mindhunters I mean Mindhunters is FBI agents and even then like That's they're true. they're removed almost completely from the world of like traditional cops and robbers films which is such a massive genre yeah. i guess with the fbi stuff as well it's kind of like they're like spies sort of like and triple x that's like a spy no i think you're right SWAT is like the most outright just pro lapd film ever like i'm trying to fucking think what other movies have we done i've suffered severe brain injury since i was last on the show <laughs> can't remember dehydrated in the desert <laughs> no i think this is it this is the most copaganda so basically when we say copaganda what we're talking about is that since the silent era of films, the relationship between the police force and the military in the United States and Hollywood has always kind of been one of friendship. Mm. In the early days of Hollywood, to cover up the indiscretions of a lot of its stars, such as the wild man antics of Errol Flynn, Hollywood was forced to make friends with the, the police force. This is really like well-documented and made into some fantastic films. For instance, Hail Caesar and L.A. Confidential, Al. Oh, dude, L.A. Confidential is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. And also, Errol Flynn. I read his autobiography. Dude's a real piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> And so as time progressed throughout uh, Hollywood, the LAPD was able to offer this kind of partnership handshake deal with Hollywood in that they would be able to lend this air of authenticity, but also a, a approval of Hollywood productions if they were able to give this 
Quid pro quo. Quid pro quo, where Hollywood would shine a positive light on what they were doing Mm. if um, they were able to be involved with the process. This would later go on to inform like quite a considerable amount of the uh, cops and robbers genre and would extend out also, uh, I mean, into the 80s with the military as well. You look at something like the Top Gun films. Rambo 3, man. Mm -hmm. Rambo Mm -hmm. 3, like... Like, this was a, a partnership that Hollywood, between the police force and the military, was relishing the opportunity for. By the time the 2000s rolled around, the police officers in America were in dire need of rehabilitation, especially the LAPD. I want to drop the, my favorite Chris Tucker bit from rush hour here (laughs) where he says uh i work for the lapd my mother tells people i died (laughs) (laughs) oh dude we need to do the rush hours oh Oh, for sure (laughs) around this time as well we get the introduction of the patriot act in america for you know like Mm. massive amounts of abilities for search and seizure and like control over the lives of everyday civilians in America, as well as the the rampage of like the militarization of the police force, Phoebe. Mm-hmm. Like this would be years after the Rodney King beatings and the LA riots, but also years after Daryl Gates's uh, introduction into the LAPD of the actual special weapons and tactics SWAT division. And so it feels like in the year 2003 that there was this big push for a kind of a film that would rehabilitate the look of a police officer in the eyes of America. And also do so with like this kind of new metal sheen over the top of it. We'll get into it as we go over the plot, but this movie has done a really interesting kind of propaganda where they managed to position the main characters of the film as rebellious within the system oh absolutely and like these these are just like fucking dudes like they're just fucking guys hanging out these aren't cops like they're just like guys that are like operating within a system that they don't even agree with but they're still trying to like uphold the law and this is like this kind of fantasy vision that like regular guys that don't necessarily abide by the man but are still like, you know, kind of have these sort of puritanical values of morality and like law and upholding the law can still operate and have independence within uh, the police force, which is a complete fantasy and do so in this kind of like fun hijinksy way. And, you know, like the, the kind of propaganda that comes out of it is like super effective. I am so anti-cop, but I fucking love this movie. It's really fun. It's a cartoon. So we'll get stuck straight into the plot. So this film opens up with a sequence that's stripped directly from the headlines, which is the 1997 North Hollywood shooting, which was a mass shooting in and bank heist in LA by heavily armored ex-military veterans who the LAPD were almost powerless to stop, which was a big push within the LAPD for the militarization of the police force because of this incident to happen. This is a dramatization of it playing out where partners Colin Farrell and Jeremy Renner Oh my God, are they baby-faced in this? Jeremy Renner in particular. Mm-hmm. I don't need... Is this like the... F- I just hate him so much. Say <laughs> it, Al. You say love it. him so much. I, can I tell. love you Jeremy love Renner. Al, rip in. This is your moment is, to is... shine. Let's hear about Renner. I'm speechless. I just fucking hate this cunt. He's, he's, he's a regular James McAvoy to me. Um... <laughs> if an amethyst beaded bracelet was a man... <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I was thinking about this in the car this morning because Maroon 5 was playing on the radio. And I was like, <laughs> Jeremy Renner is Maroon 5. Like, he's just... Oh, I'd of- go worse than that. <laughs> Jeremy Renner is in a, a guy turning down the music in a club to turn up Imagine Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Renner he, is... Uh, is it's, this yeah, is first He's a leather thing. bracelet. 
this is not his first thing by any regard at all. Like, for me, Jeremy Renner just popped up in the Hurt Locker and, like, mm. that was the first I'd ever noticed him. But he'd been working for a good 10 years solidly since. Oh, well, hard work doesn't go... <laughs> why he never bombed out into Hollywood, I'll never know. And why... Uh, Phoebe, you were saying that he obviously like saw something at a Weinstein party and said he'd keep his mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't understand who Jeremy Renner is for. You know, when you like see an actor on screen and you're like, okay, I understand that this man was sort of like, uh, or this person was just sort of decided by producers to kind of fit a genre for the rest of their lives. Whereas Jeremy Je- <laughs> Renner is like, forever this kind of like misfit but not in a cool way every time i see him on the screen i'm taken out of the movie for, you know what i mean sure. totally. even the films that he's good in are good not because he's in them the hurt locker would have been great with anyone arrival should have starred channing tatum 100 <laughs> how he was being groomed to replace tom cruise for mission impossible and he was even before Jason that, Bourne Matt Damon well. and Jason Bourne. He like slots himself into these franchises that don't need him. By the time he wanders into the Avengers, like the film just grinds to a halt by the time he turns up. Yeah, he's totally. A real and like, I think Hawkeye as a character, like I've I've I read like those runs of Hawkeye in the fucking noughties, and I think Hawkeye is like a pretty decent character. So the fact that like. I don't know. Like, Marvel have managed to make you give the slightest shit about most characters in that fucking franchise, and even then, they're still like, "Who gives a fuck about Hawkeye?" We imagine like having children and buying your kids a Hawkeye action figure (laughs) for Christmas. We want Captain America. (laughs) Yeah, we got Captain America at home. (laughs) Um, Can I just say? Immediately after this, he was only in a couple of things, which was a film clip for Pink, and he also <laughs> voiced a cop for Catwoman, the video game. Oh, <laughs> Holy The Halle shit. Berry Catwoman video game. I'm just looking it up now. And did he not go on for anything, really, till The Hurt Locker? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of nothing nothing that I recognize. Anyway. And that's the way it should have been. Taylor <laughs> Kitsch was robbed. If John Carter had done well, he would have been Hawkeye. Rest assured, that is my theory. So anyway, uh, Jeremy (laughs) Renner and Colin Farrell are in this bank heist, which they disobey a direct order from the chief of police and are hereby kicked off of squad, which is led by... uh, Sorry, kicked off the squad of SWAT. SWAT squad, <laughs> which is led by Carcetti's campaign manager, the Rib Shack guy from House of Cards. Everyone in this movie is so baby-faced that it looks like they all just took up smoking the second that this wrapped. Like, <laughs> there's this amazing sequence where he and uh, he and Colin Farrell have a fight because Colin Farrell didn't get kicked off SWAT, and it's literally like a like. I got kicked off the team, coach. It's some real, like, high school football shit, isn't it? It's a genre match. Like, this movie kind of feels like a bank heist movie, but also kind of like a, I know, like a Porky's-style college movie as well. Yeah, there's a weird coming of age in the whole sequence between... Gamble and I can't remember what Colin Gamble and Jimbo Street. Jimbo Street. You can't make this shit up. (laughs) You know, two best friends parting ways because they realise they've kind of hit an impasse in their lives where their values and priorities have changed, and it's this real kind of, you know, I'm staying on with SWAT even though I did the wrong thing. I'm not getting punished as hard as you are, and that might not be fair, but like. I'm not going to go down with the ship. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's... Yeah. But, like, sure, I got accepted into an Ivy League college and you have to go to fucking community college. Don't get mad at me kind of shit. Yeah, this is Friday Night Lights. Yeah, totally. absolutely. What is it? Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't, can't lose. lose. <laughs> uh, so, basically, Colin Farrell is kicked down to desk sergeant at the evidence locker where he meets... Hondo, played Hondo. by the man himself, Samuel L. Jackson, looking baby-faced at a whopping 56 years old. Yeah, crazy. Incredible. 
he uh, is putting together a hit list of killer stoppers, and he needs the best of the shit. And uh, he's got his eyes on Colin Farrell, and he tells the chief, "Hey, you know, just give me, just give me what I want, baby." What, what, like, how did he, like, what was, what informed him to be like, "Hey, I know you're a desk jockey. Uh, how about you come and join my elite squad of SWAT killers?" Like, I remember there's a scene where he's like, "You balance the side of my gun really good. You, you must be really good at being a policeman." <laughs> yeah, well, they have like a, a training day. Uh, That's huh? right. Huh? Yeah, a little yeah, training yep, day. Yep, 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 little yep, LA, yep. LA cop movie for you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, where the the heat is increased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, where basically Hondo bets on Colin Hondo. Farrell to be the the best of the the best shooter of the bunch. Which he uh, wins money against, uh, what's his name, Josh Charles? The guy that looks yeah. like dramatic actor Buster Bluth. The vegetarian. Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so he takes Colin Farrell on a trip around LA to round up the rest of the bunch. There's that incredible scene where they, uh, as Al said, they talk to this <laughs> vegetarian police officer who refuses to get his hands dirty. What is it they say, Phoebe? They say something about we can't, how can we hire a cop that isn't willing to do dirty cop work? Well, it's Um, not even that. They say he's not willing to eat an American hot dog, which is like insane that that is just code for police work means beating the shit out of an unarmed suspect (laughs) willing to break the law to get results. Like 20 minutes into that, there's so much of this just blatant disregard for the law by police officers which carries throughout the whole film (laughs) it's not even presented that these guys are corrupt cops in any way we are like this film has such a sheen to it such a shine that we are led to believe that these guys are the best of the best yeah and the fact that other people are getting in their way is uh like it, it's looked down upon that others would possibly do that when these guys are set up to have been kind of kicked down to desk jobs or like for michelle rodriguez's character she's introduced as having beat the shit out of a suspect which is yeah. why they want to involve her i i yeah. love that correct you know like uh i got the job done my job of being a police officer and that job includes shooting an unarmed woman (laughs) (laughs) and i'm being punished for that (laughs) i think in this movie like the real bad guy that they're trying to frame here is bureaucracy yeah like the bad guy is like the the head of the police department which is basically like the dean he's the (laughs) dean of the school we're trying to like shoot a bra bomb at this guy like he just won't let us break the rules yeah, we're trying to have a good time, man. <laughs> I didn't come to SWAT to learn. <laughs> Came to party down. Uh-huh. So uh, along for the ride as well is uh, new metal film Heartthrob and just, I think, our most perennial underutilized yeah. and favorite actor. One, two, three, everybody. Let's say LLJ. That was three. Yes, I was wondering if he's been. Has he been in the most films that we've done? I think now that we've done this film, it would be LL Cool J. Oh, and Colin Farrell as well. Colin Farrell's been in a couple. Daredevil, phone booth. This one. Yeah. Oh shit. What do we got for LL Cool J? We got SWAT, uh, Deep Blue Sea, Mind Hunters, and any more? Nothing. Three for three. Three Let's go with that. All right. Well, those guys are going to get a look in at the lookies. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, As will Michelle Rodriguez. Oh. What do you think of Michelle Rodriguez, Al? I'm curious. Uh, I think she is so fucking hot. Oh, my God. Thank (laughs) you so much for saying that. Sean and I had an (laughs) argument while we were watching that. I'm like, she's hot. I'm in love with her. She. This was like my sexual awakening movie when I was like 12 or whatever. Sean's like, I hate totally. her so much. <laughs> oh, man. No, if she punched then, me in the throat, I would not. And then Sean couldn't name an actress that he liked. <laughs> 
I like the Australian girl from that TV show, Love. <laughs> quick, quick, Sean, for a dollar, name a woman. <laughs> I will not dignify that with an answer. I will not stoop to your level of mockery and ribbing. Lena Dunham. <laughs> that's a that's an actress, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. Um, so rounding out the bunch, we get Boxer and Josh Charles's character, who TJ. are the elite TJ, who are the elite team of killer stoppers. Around this time, we are introduced to uh, Livia Martinez. The uh, it's not really alluded to. Is he some kind of like mafia kingpin? Is he an international drug cartel leader? He's just an amorphous bad guy, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's just a cipher, and he's not even introduced for like like this film doesn't actually start until it's an hour and ten minutes into the film. We were totally like, talking about yeah, this. This is an hour and fifty seven <laughs> minutes and literally the first hour of this is let's get the band back together. One hundred percent this movie is all set up. And like Sean and I watched um Snyder Cut together recently and we were talking about how much like this is a four hour movie where like movies always complain about how there's no time to like build up char- like enough time to care about the characters, right? But in this movie, they de- dedicate an hour and a half to making you give a shit about the people in this movie. Like you care about them. It's all like character development. They and- even make you care about Jeremy Renner, which I never thought would be possible. Yeah. <laughs> and then like the actual plot of the movie doesn't come in until yeah, like more than halfway. So Olivia Mar sorry, can you hear that at all, Al? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean the oh, fire alarms that? going off on the lower levels of my building. Oh shit, should we get Oh out? no, I can't hear I can't hear them. So that must mean there is no fire alarm. If you can't hear it, we're just gonna keep plugging ahead until it turns up, okay? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's just <laughs> no. anytime someone burns the toast and they open up we have to leave this in. Yeah. Sean is willing to burn to death to record this one. If I one. fucking die recording this movie, last thing I've ever said on record is Michelle Rodriguez is hot. Jeremy Renner's cool. Oh, anyway. Um... If I die drunk in podcasting, I'm killing you. I'm going to come to hell where all podcasters are. And I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> Anyway, so um, Olivia Martinez gets introduced uh, stepping off a jet where he's searched by uh, TSA Customs who find, like, an extremely, like, sharp switchblade on him. And he just charms them by speaking French and being like, he's a present from my uncle. I am simply too pretty. And he's just like John Hamm and 30 Rock. They're just like... You know you can't carry knives on planes and then just hand it back to him. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. And then he's escorted by uh Herc from Oh, there we go. All right, alarm's happening. Sorry, man. Can you hear us, Al? That's all right. Yeah, yeah, I can. It erupts with a deafening thunder. You have a bad day here. Somebody dies and rages with a deadly power. It's a living thing, Brian. It breathes, it eats, it hates. It can create a hero or conceal a murder. From director Ron Howard, Backdraft, rated R. Al, firefighters, what do you think? Uh, Cowards. (laughs) What if I was to tell you that fire pigs were just more copaganda? They come straight to your house. They invade your territory. I am a big proponent of stand your ground laws when it comes to fire pigs. Everyone hates a fire pig until they turn up to your apartment and turn off the fire alarm. (laughs) Phoebe, you had a guy... A fire pig in your DMs, didn't you? <laughs> oh my god! What the guy who was like, "Oh please, don't set me on fire!" I simply couldn't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy! I didn't know you could have get set on fire fetishes, but here we are. Man, wait—isn't your best mate the like 
I want to draw Simpsons guys as ninjas. <laughs> it's is, not a sex thing. I just want to see Simpsons guys as ninjas. He has a mutual uh, follower on Twitter. Yes, we are best friends. <laughs> 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 so anyway, Olivia Martinez uh, immediately gets picked up from the airport by Herc from The Wire and proceeds to go to a meeting at a restaurant with the head of... I want to say the mafia of LA, who's played by the producer from Borat. <laughs> oh, fuck. Who I, didn't, I didn't realize was a real actor. <laughs> Has he been in anything other than these two movies? Yeah, like tons of stuff, but I had no idea. He was extremely funny. Olivia Martinez cuts his throat. And then is like, I am in charge of all crime now. I must listen to Figure Nine by Linkin Park. <laughs> I don't know what this accent is. It's so funny. Phoebe, you and I were talking after we finished this film that this film's idea of villains and crime is so amorphous. There's no actual victims in this film, is there? No, like... One of the weird things about this movie is you don't really see people. You only see cops and robbers. Like, the only people that are in this are kind of treated like NPCs. Mm. Like, people that are in the way or Bus media. drivers, yeah. people want people, like, with cameras on the side of the road. Absolutely. And, like, as the plot progresses, you see that there's no real victims of any crimes. It's just, like... You hear that? <laughs> fire pigs. fucking sirens. More fire pigs. They heard we were doing SWAT and they were like, uh, Sean and Phoebe are going to do a a bad job of being nice to the Queensland State Police Forces, (laughs) whereas Al is going to do nothing to stop them because he's a coward. (laughs) They trusted you, Al. The fire pigs trusted you. I was wearing a wire the whole time. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like the only victim in this film is the lady who gets shot by Colin Farrell at the start of the movie. <laughs> and the nice rich couple who had their private jet stolen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As you were saying earlier, Phoebe, in like a, a time period we are now in 2021 where the police are almost security guards to private property... This f- film's treatment of people as a non-entity in the struggle between crime and the forces of justice is so telling of Hollywood's attitude to it. And even, like, this isn't by any means a conservative film, I would say. It's not a liberal film either. No. This is, but it's not like a, a Peter Berg jock jam, like Patriots Day or World Trade Center. It's not. It's not an anti anyone movie. It's just a pro cop movie. This is a movie where they're literally inventing someone to be mad at. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so sick of these French drug cartel guys offering people a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Where did he get that money from? We don't really know. <laughs> yeah, all the. I love all of the media being like. Sources close to the family claim that he's worth hundreds of millions. If not if billions. Not billions. <laughs> <laughs> what does he do? We have no <laughs> idea. It was an extremely slow news day. <laughs> and also, what's his position in the mafia that he's flying to America to slit like Borat's throat and then coming home after, like immediately flying home And then after. immediately being like, I, I've slit one extremely fat Kazakhstani <laughs> man's throat. I am now the head of international crime. <laughs> that's all it takes. <laughs> Note to self. If that's, I, I guess that's why cops really have this chip on their shoulder about their place in society because if the average person knew just how easy it was to become pablo escobar just by (laughs) kicking a fat guy in the butt (laughs) being hot and french (laughs) then cops would you know cops with all justice systems all forms of moral judgment would just fall apart at the seams Mm -hmm. So where are we at in the film right now? It's like an hour and ten minutes. At what point do the two plots converge? Uh, we get that that like scene in the in the plane where they're forced the to plane, like, the plane, the plane, the right. plane where they have to uh, 
do like a paintball course uh, like yeah. to become SWAT po- SWAT cops like SWAT I guess police, like police police cops yeah <laughs> I'm really good at laser force can I be a cop <laughs> can I be on SWAT I'm taller than Jeremy Renner <laughs> what was your favorite part of the movie Al the end <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like it uh i didn't hate it but i certainly uh I, I, I definitely when i clocked for me that it took an hour and 10 minutes for the movie to actually start i was quite annoyed um, that's so, f- uh, so my, my favorite part on youtube <laughs> on your phone wasn't the ideal way to view this movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah by myself in my room with <laughs> <laughs> I uh, anytime they said Hondo was probably my favorite part of the film. Just a good word to say, Hondo. So basically, Gabriel Martinez's character gets caught, and it's revealed that he's this um, incredible multi-billion-dollar Pablo Escobar-type figure, and he announces live on camera that he'll give a hundred million dollars to whoever breaks him out of jail. Cue this absolutely hilarious montage where all of the gangs across LA are just like, oh, that's a lot of money, man. (laughs) (laughs) We get um, Hector from Veronica Mars, who looks at his IMDb (laughs) profile, is 30 years of playing guys named Hector. (laughs) Yeah, this is where the movie kind of turns into John Wick a little bit, where it's like every bad guy in LA joins forces to hunt down this one SWAT team that's trying to transport Frenchie to prison. And it's so funny, like, you get, like, it's very John Wick, where, like, the convoy of SWAT... Um, cops is like stopped by this like rough sleeper who like suddenly throws off all of his his garb and he's got an Uzi and he just starts firing wildly. Latino gangsters with three quarter pants have got rocket launchers and they're firing at the swag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's extremely funny. Yeah, it's just war games the whole way through. At this point, TJ Josh Charles's character shows his true colors. And he announces... This was my favourite part of the film, actually, Phoebe, when he shot himself in the head. I think I've jumped ahead. But, uh... Yeah, wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. TJ shows his true colours and that he's actually aligned with Jeremy Renner's gamble to take up the uh, Olivia Martinez on his $100 million offer and that he's going to betray SWAT and take uh, take Olivia Martinez away uh, to which, yeah, I guess Jeremy Renner turns back up. He's so camp in this. Just yeah. Unbelievably and all camp. of a sudden, now he's got heaps of earrings. Like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> He's been driven mad by being kicked out of the police force that he's suddenly, like... <laughs> Yeah, at a at a skillet concert. Hey, look, man, I've definitely been in breakups, and I'm like, you know how I can uh, get over this? I'll get some piercings. <laughs> Two piercings, same ear, spiky yeah, haircut. Yeah, baby. Leather, leather, leather bracelet, that's it. So Gamble and the SWAT team get into this big firefight in a... Like there's a, like a limousine chase. There's a a plane that's landing on the Sixth Street Bridge. This is all like telegraphed really badly. Like it's there's there's supposed to be stakes at the end of this film, and like I guess you've spent an hour and a half caring about these characters, mm. but by the time something happens, it just feels so just perfunctory and just kind of like a means to an end that the, oh i guess we're just wrapping up with these characters yeah, aren't we just we? got some action and it, like the the ending like where um jeremy renner's character finally gets defeated by colin farrell is this like the most unceremonious beheading on a train station platform oh for sure like you know the way this this is like set up is is almost like beat for beat the ending to heat where they mm. like run into this train yard for this climactic battle and there's no like discussion about Jeremy Renner turning to the forces of darkness no Luke I am your father it's just Colin Farrell just pushes Jeremy Renner into an oncoming train <laughs> which is going about maybe like 6k's an hour <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Austin Powers steamroller scene <laughs> 
No! <laughs> <laughs> you know that steamroller scene and like all of the cutaways to the guy's family during that scene in Austin Powers is completely cut from the American version of the film. Yeah. You're joking. It's like the best scene of the original Austin Powers. That's so funny. So really, like, uh, as you said, Al, your favorite bit is uh, TJ, after having shot Boxer earlier in the film, asked Samuel L. Jackson, you know, is Boxer going to make it? Samuel Jackson's like, yeah, he's going to pull through. And TJ's like, God damn it, Sarge. God damn it, Sarge. <laughs> just blows his brains out. Samuel Jackson doesn't even Flips, right? <laughs> I thought that was so psycho. Yeah. They spent two hours setting up how much these characters care about each other and then at the end they're just like, no one gives a shit about each other. Yeah, yeah not at all. Uh, at and... least those wily vegetarians get their comeuppance in this film. <laughs> <laughs> they found the one good cop in LA and they're like, Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia Martinez is um, put in prison where he deserves to be for the crime of question mark. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the SWAT team, you know, they hear over the wire. Um, 6 p.m. at 2.11 in progress at the Diamond Mart. 4-3 South Hope Street, shots fired. Technically, our watch has been over for 12 hours. So? Yeah. What the hell? Mount up. What? Colin Farrell's just like, it's for the love of the gay. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even look at you right now. It's just the dumbest ending in the world. Yeah, the ending was. That bit where they're all like, road trip, road trip, road trip. (laughs) Road trip. Man, my bloodthirst just hasn't yet been quenched. Let's go shoot some more guns. Oh, oh and yeah, uh, we've technically been off the clock for 12 hours. Should we uh, go and shoot people? Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, And that fucking song at the end, I feel like... Oh, just... <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson by Hot Action Cop. It really feels like a take a look around moment because <laughs> it sounds used... like a song that you and I would have made as a joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it also has like you know, like it takes like elements of the original SWAT nineteen seventies TV show theme song and just new metalifies it. It was literally them trying to do the Mission Impossible Two theme song <laughs> with hot action cop, the fever for the flavor band. <laughs> So, production-wise, this film's probably its most notable qualities of its production is the way that it looks. Al, I've seen better episodes of, I don't know, like NCIS than this. This film looks like a sitcom. So, I was doing a bit of reading... Prior, and the guy who directed it is uh, Clark Johnson, who's actually more known for like shooting police procedurals, uh, like Homicide Life on the Street, as well as starring as an actor in police procedurals. Uh, I know, like if you look at his <laughs> his like filmography over the past few years, it's episodes of The Good Wife. Yeah. <laughs> it's The Good Wife. It's The Wire. Yeah, man. Uh, I don't know. Like this. This th- there were like some pretty crazy names attached to this at one point as well, like uh, Michael Mann and Joel Schumacher. Uh, yeah, Anton Fuqua, uh, David Ayer uh, wrote. Anton the Fuqua to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anton Fuqua, I yeah. know <laughs> Michael Mann, Zack Snyder, off the back of his Dawn of the Dead remake, was also offered this. Pretty much everyone under the sun, Michael Bay. Jerry Bruckheimer all offered it. John Woo, Oliver Stone were all offered this film. Can you imagine just how many letters of rejection you would have for this property before it worked its way down the totem pole to a guy that shot an episode of The Flash? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And same goes for the cast as well. Like, all of the cast were 
second choices. Yes. Wait, are you telling me Jeremy Renner was someone's second choice? <laughs> <laughs> the only first choice for this film was LL Cool J. Yeah, yeah. Directors also love LL Cool J. <laughs> <laughs> Along for the ride, uh, I think Mark Wahlberg was attached to this film at one point as the Colin Farrell yeah, character. Paul Walker. Paul Walker dropped out to shoot uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. Uh, Vin Diesel was attached to play, uh, I think, Hondo? Hondo. Maybe? <laughs> Hondo. But he dropped out for Chronicles of Riddick. Oh, well, uh, this, this, <laughs> this film was produced by Neil H. Moritz, who we adore here at Take a Look Around. He's the well-known producer of films like Stealth, the Fast and the Furious franchise. This movie reminded me of Stealth so much. I don't know why. Oh, for sure. <laughs> This film, it really did feel like um, someone in Hollywood was like, Neil H. Moritz, we need you to make Fast and the Furious where cops are the good guys. (laughs) And he he even turns up in this film. He's the guy driving the Land Rover beeping the horn who just gets absolutely poleaxed by the SWAT van at one point. (laughs) There's a lot of cops in this movie. Like... Uh, did you end up watching the uh, featurette on YouTube, like the making of Al? No, I didn't. When did you, <laughs> when did you send that to me? We put on a week SWAT school for the actors with live fire. Uh, we taught them how to move tactically together as a team. Not often that we get to, you know, shoot live ammo or see if we really could hit a target if we were aiming at it. I get paid to do a job that I, I would gladly do for free. So it's really interesting. Like so many of these cop movies we were saying before are like basically shot and directed by either like the Department of Defense or like the police department. Like in all of the interviews with the actors, they're wearing like police uniforms. Mm. They've done all of the training. All of the training sequences like were shot in the actual areas where they were like taught how to shoot guns by like actual SWAT members and stuff. Oh, wow. Like, when it comes to, like, police recruitment videos, I would file this under super liminal. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And also, it's a very prudent business. I mean, very smart, penny-pinching-wise, to just shoot on location at the training centre, you know. Yeah, they spent all their money on Jeremy (laughs) Renner. (laughs) I'm going to draw a long bow here, but... A long blue line? Yeah, a thin blue line, if you will. Uh, We were talking earlier about the celebrity dating app, Raya, and it almost feels like what Phoebe was saying about these actors as well is that when you get to a certain place within Hollywood, everyone listening to this probably will think of an example of someone that they thought was like a cool countercultural figure that when they got to a position of notoriety within the entertainment industry, sold out to these kind of this kind of conservative values that are like required to make it in the entertainment industry. Like, do you think that like Colin Farrell really believes that police force are like the thin blue line between us and the forces of chaos? Or was he just like yeah, I'll do $2 million to shoot guns with the LAPD. That sounds great. Uh, uh, absolutely. He like he was a TV actor on, until, like, what, fucking phone booth? Like, I, I think, like, his biggest credit before those, that, that string of sh- uh, early noughties movies. Uh, did you guys ever watch Bally Kiss Angel? Yes. No. Yeah, right? That was his biggest thing. Mums like, love Bally Kiss mums, Angel. Yeah, Irish mums <laughs> love Bally Kiss Angel. <laughs> <laughs> he was in... Like six films in 2003. He did Veronica Guerin with uh, Kate Blanchett, uh, Daredevil, Phone Booth, and SWAT were all released within like a 12 month period. Like, the only example I could think of with that kind of market saturation Eric Banner. Eric Banner. And do you remember the summer where Jude Law was in everything? everything. Yeah, yeah, totally. Jennifer Lawrence is a good example. Oh, of that for as well. sure. That that's an actor. I know actress. I know the name of. For a dollar, name a woman. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we can stitch that into the earlier bit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I got the, the the feeling like old mate Clark Johnson who directed this, like he was in season three of The Wire where he played a journalist and he's like, you know, basically his entire career was formed in these sort of more like nuanced cop shows. And I feel like his approach to this movie was like, fuck nuance, fuck bureaucracy. <laughs> I'm going to give these police officers a blister. <laughs> <laughs> It really is like the inverse of The Wire and it's like the same time where The Wire is just like, you know, showing the horrible banality of uh, America's police force whilst this is just some insane (laughs) fantasy. Yeah, like imagine watching The Wire and being a part of the making of that series and going... Boring! (laughs) (laughs) And you know the funniest part? There is three major characters or people involved in the production of this film that were involved in The Wire and did say boring. Do you reckon they thought that this was going to be a little more like textured, like more of a textured view of like, you know, police relationship with LA or like... (laughs) They say Los Angeles plays itself in the film. Oh my God. Let's talk soundtrack, gang. So, this film is, like, it's got a fun soundtrack. Like, there's some real nice, like, 70s, like, dance hall and kind of funk tracks to it. As we were talking about before, that incredible, like, take-a-look-around style credit song with the uh, Mm. Samuel L. Jackson by... Fever for the flavors, hot action cop. Uh, we get us a- like heaps of Rolling Stones and Jimi Hendrix, and <laughs> uh, but like the Rolling Stones song they have is like a fucking album cut off some girls. Like it, it's a weird, weird soundtrack. I, I linked, this film's got a uh, TV budget. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is I, uh, this is a pilot episode of a TV series, isn't it? <laughs> In a, in Phoebe a, is wincing uh, so hard. She's so angry at me for making fun of this movie. <laughs> uh, in in the in our in the messenger thread for organizing this episode, I posted a screenshot from the Wikipedia about the score that uh, says uh, it is generally viewed. And then the first thing is in parentheses by who, (laughs) (laughs) uh, which we will post on the Instagram. Uh, It is a it is a weird all over the shop score. Uh, The the fellow who did it as well, Elliot Goldenthway, he did like Heat and a whole bunch of other really kind of kidding. No, the like guy he, that did he... the soundtrack to Heat did. I guess the soundtrack is one of the better parts of this film, to mm. be honest. Yeah, it's totally. good. He did soundtrack for uh, other classics like Batman Forever and <laughs> Michael Collins. <laughs> there's a there's a really good Linkin Park song throughout this film. Uh, we were talking earlier, Al, about how Linkin Park they took a while to kind of make their way into Hollywood. Uh, mm. They they were definitely a second wave new metal band. So by the time a lot of the new metal films had been in production they were really getting their like their their first or second win with hybrid theories kind of touring into the meteora era and i mean this was at a point where warner were behind the ball so by the time that lincoln park were ready they were fucking chucking as much money behind them and making them too big to fail and i feel like we've talked about this on prior episodes where a lot of the films that we've discussed have been made by warner or warner subsidiaries yeah Um, i think another element that took a while to take off with them is that they are while they're an incredible band and they're fantastic to listen to uh a lot of the new metal songs that make their way onto these soundtracks are the less vocal tracks and lincoln park would have been a hard sell with two lead singers to have to work with to try and work in as kind of like non-diegetic score in a movie Totally. Weird soundtrack, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree. <laughs> Al, 
I believe you have a new segment you were looking to try out. Uh, yeah, look, we'll see how it goes. Uh, it's called How Delightful. <laughs> how delightful! Uh, so How Delightful is we talk about a thing that we posit, like, a positive aspect of the film and talk about it without any negativity and talk about it in a delightful way. I guess I will go first. What I found delightful about this movie was its cast of actors. (laughs) (laughs) You sound like you're being forced at gunpoint. (laughs) Tap the mic if you need us to call the fire cops. I think this segment might be a bust. <laughs> I got a good one. Yeah. I like the bit when Colin Farrell's, uh, like one of his opening introduction scenes is when he's going for a big like jog on the beach and it's like, man, he's just that fucking good. He's so hot. He's so strong. And then he just pukes off the side of a banister, <laughs> like mid-workout. <laughs> I wonder if it was unintentional and they left it in. Yeah, I mean, I think he was drinking a lot during this time. In all of the interviews in the feature, and he's clearly holding a lighter. <laughs> in all of them. Man, he rocks. I love him. How I delightful. Love... How delightful. What about you, Sean? I would say that something I really enjoyed about this film was... <laughs> the scene where LL Cool J just like... Uh, rips his shirt up to reveal his abs and he'd be like 40-ish probably maybe like late 30s early 40s in this movie everyone in this movie's hot and he's just and he would have just been like yeah sure I'll be your first choice for the movie there has to be a scene where I take my shirt off uh, if I'm wearing body armor the whole time I need my abs out once in contrast oh Cool J is like deceptively young he's really? like yeah, like fifty-two or something. He just got a career start, like, like at seventeen or something. Wow, that rocks. Yeah. Uh, one last thing about Colin Farrell, I feel like his career got a lot better when he stopped doing accents. I think we've talked about this before. We have. Where yes. he just became such a better actor when he had to stop doing voices. <laughs> just. Everyone made him Irish in movies for some reason. <laughs> that run of films he did with Yorgos Lanthimos with uh, oh, The totally. Lost Star, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Mm-hmm. There's one more I'm forgetting, isn't there? No, it's just those two, isn't it? Uh, just those two. For, they're they're for really now. good. There they're was, working on another one, I think. There was one of the great unrealized projects of the last 10 years was Yorgos Lanthimos uh, and Colin Farrell signed on to do a... Uh, like an Amazon Prime TV series about the Iran-Contra affair with Colin Farrell as Oliver North, like the patsy for Ronald Reagan's bungled Iran-Contra deals. Oh, wow. That would have been incredible. That would have been pretty sick. That sounds good. He's also just a great comedic actor, and I can't tell mm. whether it's just because of his Irish accent or not. <laughs> I really like him in Horrible Bosses too. <laughs> 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 Byline oh, uh, in Bruges, she was fucking hilarious. In that Never too. seen it. Oh man, Seven Psychopaths also great. True. Never true. seen it. Seen Horrible Bosses too, though. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> it's time for our bodies hit the floor score. The bodies hit the floor score. The bodies hit the floor score. Phoebe, as our lovely guest, would you be so kind as to kick us off with your bodies hit the floor score? I'm torn, Sean. I, I, wanted, I wanted to give it a really good score because I had so much fun watching it with you tonight. But after nearly burning up in your apartment, while the fire pig stopped and did nothing, I'm going to stop and start the podcast. SWAT is nothing but a distant memory in my mind, and now simply two bodies hitting the floor. Uh, I personally am going to give this two bodies, two bodies burning up inside my apartment building <laughs> while the fire pigs stood there doing nothing. Mm. Al, what about yourself? Uh, 
And I'm going to give it one and a half body all the way from New South Wales and the safety of my uh, ground floor house that is not on fire. Al, would you be so kind as to give this <laughs> film a PF sum? After Sean and I found out the Durst computer had become sentient, it had given us a hot new algorithm to judge how new metal a movie is. This algorithm uses our painted Bodies Hit the Floor score and times it by our trademark Fred Durst score. Once we have received peer review, we can say that the PF sum, short for Peer Factory, is the most scientifically way to determine how new metal a movie is. Absolutely. So this film has a Durst score of two, not explaining. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, giving it a... I love uh, that this segment was you being so insistent going into season two that you would not give a six degrees of Durst. It'll land! You somehow managed to make it more complicated for yourself. <laughs> to no yeah, end. I know, right? With this completely baffling setup with no payoff in sight. Uh, this film has a PF sum of 11. Which is good? So, is it bad? You tell us, Professor Dipshit. We're, we're, still, <laughs> we're still trying to figure that out. We have, we've yet to publish the paper on uh, on our on, on on our Instagram. You just get off on being withholding, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Look at him getting off. <laughs> As you're not here in our beautiful, uh, fiery, smoldering, fiery smoldering apartment, would you be so kind as to give us a song for us to go out on? Samuel Jackson by Hot Action Cop. It, it couldn't we be anything else. We have to play else. the entirety of it. The entire song has to play right now. <laughs> Phoebe, it's been an absolute pleasure. Do you have any words for Hot Action Cop? <laughs> any words for Hot Action Cop? Yeah. Well, we're going to pass this along to them. <laughs> I'm sh- what, what are they possibly up to? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, T. You have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs> Look like